Rightio. Uh, yes. So what I want to talk this morning about, uh, I've been doing last week, I started a series. Uh, well, I've actually been doing a series on Nehemiah. I just can't get out of that book. And um, I just want to continue in Nehemiah. And last week I spoke about um, uh, there are enemies to success in your life, that uh, God wants you to be successful that the promise of abundant life that Jesus said he came to bring is about you living life with success. And as Nicole mentioned earlier on, um, here we go, they got it. They're squeezing me down. They're squeezing my space down. I'm stuck here now, but it's all right. I can still do some damage from this little bit. Anyway, um, um, yeah, last week uh, out of the book of Nehemiah, I talked about the three enemies of success in your life, that there are enemies uh, that will try to rob you of the great future that God has for you. Now, we did do prayer and fasting. Nicole shared uh, about her journey of prayer and fasting. And um, it's a good thing that you pray and fast because it deals with the flesh and it um, takes you into a place where God is able to speak to you. And some of you I know through that prayer and fasting have had new ideas, new plan, new vision from God. And in order for you to implement that, you've got to uh, fight against some enemies. So um, the three enemies that I talked about um, based out of Nehemiah chapter 4 were the them people. There are people who will be obstacles. There will, people who, there will be people who will either uh, purposefully or ignorantly get in the way of God's plan for your life. And you've got to be able to recognize those people and you've got to know how to deal with them. So um, I just want to, if we can read in Nehemiah uh, chapter 4, verse 14, if we can put that up there. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14 says, And I looked and I arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great, awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Very interesting that God gives you, if you are a Christian, God gives you things that are relevant to the world, that are relevant to the people around you, that will enable you to bring victory to your family, that will enable you to bring victory to your marriage, that will enable you to touch other lives, that it is so important that you learn to fight on behalf of others on your journey of faith. So Nehemiah was a king's cup bearer, remember? Uh, he had heard news about Jerusalem's strife, that the wall of protection around Jerusalem was non-existent. Uh, he cried out to the Lord through prayer and fasting, and God gave him a vision about a wall being built, and he being the instigator. He was to be the instigator of that uh, building of the wall. And we take up the story as they were building the wall. They'd gotten to halfway, and then their enemies had come at them. And uh, Nehemiah was talking to his team in verse 14 there about, you know, um, do not be afraid of them. So there are them in your lives. The other two things that are your enemies are a thing called rubbish and fatigue. So I just want to touch a little bit more about the them. Uh, and then I want to move on to the rubbish that can get in the way of building. So. The them people, the human obstacles that are around your world. Um, do you know that there are people who think they know you? There are people in your life, 
in your world, at your work, or whatever, who have formed opinions about who they think you are. And those opinions can sometimes be wrong. And Nehemiah uh, says this in verse six, uh, chapter 6 of verse 8. And he's talking to, he'd got a letter from his enemy, Sam Ballot. Sam Ballot had become really frustrated with the success of the children of Israel, uh, of the building of the wall in Jerusalem. And he'd done a whole lot of things to try and cause trouble. And uh, he sent this letter to try and lure Nehemiah to come into a trap where they were going to kill him. And uh, then he accused Nehemiah of a whole lot of stuff. And this is Nehemiah's reply. He says this to uh, Sam Ballot in a letter. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you are saying are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your heart. You see, Sam Ballot had invented ideas about who Nehemiah was and why he was trying to do what he was doing. He had invented in his mind and began to say things about Nehemiah that was not true. And that there are people in your life or around you who are not your friends. Or sometimes maybe they can be your friends who might form an opinion of who they think you are and why you do what you do. And they will make up motives, they will invent ideas about you and tell you that you're kind of that person, or tell others that you're that kind of person. And you will, uh, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, quite a controversial guy, talked about a thing called fake news. Fake news. Fake news was news made up that wasn't true. And I've got to tell you, has anybody ever had people make up fake news? news about them. Have you had anybody say that you are a particular type of person and kind of labeled you as something that you know you're not? The accusers. See, people will invent things about you and they will say things about who they think you are. Um, Sam Ballot had said that Nehemiah really was just doing this stuff because he just wanted to be the king of Israel. He just wanted to be the king and he was doing these things not because he cared about the people, but because he wanted to be the king. And I, I've got to tell you, I've had my people in my life who have questioned my motives, who have even invented ideas and told me who they think they are, and they've even lied and used lies to invent this thing that they've created in their, in their imagination, maybe because they've been offended, maybe because of whatever reason, and they've told stories about who they think I am. And, you know, you've got to be honest, who likes that? Who likes people inventing things about them? You don't. It hurts. It hurts. And you see, there are human obstacles, people. If you, The bigger the thing you want to do in God or the more your life... You want your life to be uh, have an effect, the bigger these lies can become and the more these people will behave that way. You've got to understand, you have enemies that the devil will come through people around your life. I mean, I, I don't know how politicians do it. You know, um, I don't know how um, 
Our Prime Minister does it. Scott Morrison. He's an amazing... I, I, I have huge respect for our Prime Minister because I know he's a man of faith. But have you heard all the stuff the media does to attack that man and bring him down and make up stuff and pull him down and make lies about, even about his wife? This is how dirty and how mean things can be. And see, I want to warn you as a person as well, you need to be very careful when you start to think you know someone and you invent in your mind or you perceive and you start to question somebody and you start thinking you know them. You've got to make sure that you're not becoming a tool of the devil because it happens in churches. Who wants to be one of those people? Don't. And it's even worse when you become a victim. And Sam Ballot was one of those kind of people in Nehemiah's life. Fake news. Oh, I should turn my iPad on because my notes just got ripped. Um, there's another kind of person that will cause you trouble. And I've called that the dripping tap person. The dripping tap person. You're not dripping tappers. It just keeps dripping. And you know, dripping taps in the middle of the night. Even in the Bible, it can talk about without being controversial about, you know, a contentious woman. You know, of course, I know none of our men here are married to contentious, dripping tap women. My wife always says, it's not nagging, it's just that you you need reminding all the time about some stuff. But you know, um, it's interesting because um, there are a bunch of Jews that um, were mentioned by uh, the tribe of Judah who 10 times they came to the tribe of Judah or came to the people building the wall and said, ah, you're not going to be able to hide. The enemy's going to get you. And here's the crazy thing. These dripping taps were actually Jews. They weren't part of Sam Ballot's crowd, so to speak. They were actually Jews. Jews were meant to be on the side of the builders. These were Jews who were meant to have some kind of relationship with God, who were meant to be partaking in the building, but they weren't. But in fact, they felt their job was to be a dripping tap and to just keep speaking rubbish and keep trying to speak fear and keep trying to tell them that they were going to fail. You need to distance yourself from people who are the dripping taps who their message to you is that you're going to fail or you're not going to be able to succeed in what you're meant to do. You know that there are parents who have been dripping taps to their children that over a long period of time as the child has been growing up, they have been this dripping tap of garbage and of rubbish speaking it over their children. And in fact, some of you I know have had parents who have been those dripping taps. Amen? Watch out for the dripping taps. Do not listen to the dripping taps. Even distance yourself away from those kinds of people. The people who are the obstacles, particularly if you realize that they are purposefully trying to bring destruction to you, you need to put a wall up between you and them. 
You understand, there are people in my life and in my world that I had learnt that I just keep them away. I just keep them away. And sadly, some of those have been Christians. The Jews were meant to be on side, but they weren't. And they were playing a part in being the obstacles to God's will. You know, before I came to um, Australia, and I can remember as we were preparing, and I had to go and visit um, a pastor who I had been involved with and um, to tie up some loose ends. And um, we'd ministered in his church and kind of done some stuff together. And I remember visiting that guy and and uh, he had another, we had lunch and there was another couple of other pastors there and we were having lunch. And um, I told them that I was going to go to Australia. And uh, I remember this guy who was meant to be on my side, who was meant to be a minister of the gospel, mocking and making fun of me coming to Australia. And he said, who do you think you are? What are you going there for? Do you think you're going to be like the guy who's, who did Hillsong? Do you think you're going to be like Brian Houston? You know, no, I'm not tall or as good looking as Brian Houston. I don't have the same gifts, but I remember him saying to me, and I remember thinking, wow, thank you so much for that encouragement. You know, and there are people, sadly, and even Christians, and hopefully there's none of those that exist in this church who are meant to be partaking in building, but will be these people who will be obstacles don't be an obstacle to the plan of God because you do not want to be found fighting against God. Do you understand? And as Nehemiah had to say to his troops, he said, do not fear these kind of people. Don't fear them. Don't give them credence. Don't even listen to that kind of language because it will rob you. It will plant seeds in your life. Um, Nehemiah in chapter 4 verse 13 responds in how to deal with with uh, these kinds of uh, human obstacles. He says this, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. Think about it. These guys are building something, but Nehemiah realizes that the enemy is so close and near that while building, these people need to actually arm themselves with weapons that can cause pain, that weapons of um, defense. And see, I want to tell you, you've got to carry some weapons if you want to achieve something in God. You've got to carry some stuff that you can push the enemy back, that you can actually shield yourself from these human obstacles. You've got to keep them away. In fact, sometimes you've got to use a spear and give them a poke to keep them away. That's sad, but it's true. The Bible says we actually are in a war. We are in a fight, and the devil will use people. And um, so my, my encouragement to you is God has given you weapons to arm you against the people obstacles. Don't be naive and think everybody is your friend. Because they ain't. There are lots of people who are. It's the minority generally who will be these kinds of people. But, you know, like I said, many churches have fallen apart because of that kind of behavior in churches. Many. Many churches have been robbed of the great heights that they can reach 
because there has been that undermining aspect inside church. You know, and I, I don't believe we have that in our church. I know I've had it in the past. But, you know, I just say, be wise, guys. Rightio. So that's the them people. The second aspect that I want to talk to you this morning about, so people can be your enemy. The second aspect of the thing that can be an enemy in your life is a thing called rubbish. Rubbish. What's rubbish? Sometimes rubbish is what people say. Rubbish is what gets collected tonight, Sunday night, every night, on a, sorry, every week on a Sunday night. If my job is I get the bins that have been filled up by the, all the people living in our house. Our bins get filled up very, very quickly. It is amazing how much rubbish my household produces. And it's amazing how much rubbish goes in the bin that they don't crush and then I have to crush. It amazes me, but it's all right. That's my job. I clean out the rubbish. And on Sunday nights, if I forget the rubbish, I'm in trouble. Because the bin is so full, what am I going to do with the rubbish that's coming in the coming week? I've got to get rid of the rubbish. You know, um, the thing that amazes me about the people that live in our household is they buy lots of stuff on the internet. My wife buys lots of stuff on the internet. There's some of them are sitting over there. Oh, there's one over there. You know, um, my gosh. But it always comes with packaging. Packaging. Do you know that you are a person that has great gold within you? You have some good stuff, but there's some packaging around you. And there is packaging around people that needs to be gotten rid of. It's kind of interesting. Do you know in the world today, there is a massive problem with the waste we produce because of our consumerism. We are consumers. We are, you know, we just in the, in the um, actually it's not even a first world problem. If you go to Africa, there is so much rubbish. And they don't have the abilities that we have to get rid of or bury the rubbish. And uh, rubbish is a huge problem. And so it is in our lives, rubbish. Rubbish is something that will stop you reaching the heights of what God has for your life. So they're building the wall. And then what happens is in uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10, we see a problem with rubbish. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 10 says, Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are unable to build the wall. Super interesting, man. These guys are trying to build a wall, but the rubbish was, had accumulated or was there in so much quantity that now they could no longer build. They couldn't build because there was so much rubbish in the way of building this thing that God had called them to do. And they had laborers whose job was actually to get rid of the rubbish, but the laborers were getting so tired that the rubbish was accumulating. Rubbish 
accumulates. Rubbish accumulates in human relationships. Do you know that? Rubbish accumulates wherever you get people, and the more people you get, the more likely in the physical they'll produce rubbish, but the more likely in the natural, or the, uh, sorry, in the spiritual, you will get rubbish produced. How do I know that? I'll be married, man. Still am. And the only reason I'm still married is because we've learned how to deal with rubbish. Rubbish that accumulates in my relationship with my wife because we are fallen people. Do you understand? But none of you, none of you guys are like that. None of your marriages produce rubbish. None of your relationships produce rubbish. Rubbish. <laughs> Leslie. I don't know, I was prophesying, I don't know. No, no, I was just watching you going, I'm going to tell Don. No, it's true though, eh? Do you understand? Human relationships create rubbish. What is rubbish? I'll give you a definition. Rubbish is refuge that prevents building. Useless, waste or rejected matter, trash. Things that are worthless or nonsensical are rubbish. Rubbish. They had a problem with rubbish building the wall. For a church where we have human interaction, where we have people meeting and interacting, we will produce rubbish. I will produce rubbish because I'm partly carnal. You know? No, it's true. I produce rubbish in my relationship sometimes with my wife. She produces rubbish with me. What happens if we don't get rid of the rubbish on a Sunday night? It accumulates and it gets out of control and you will find that rubbish will appear. And imagine if... In Yarrawonga, the rubbish collection failed and the rubbish just would accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. It would not be a good thing for our community and it is not a good thing for a church who are meant to be living in relationship to allow rubbish to accumulate. You understand? Rubbish prevented building. Rubbish prevents churches being built. Rubbish between people and their relationships in church life where it is not dealt with and not taken out on a Sunday night will cause mayhem and trouble and no longer will you be able to build. We want to reach a world and show them we are different. And the world isn't stupid. And the world knows whether or not there is rubbish, because you can see it. Amen, are you getting where I'm going? You can't build with rubbish. I used to be a builder, you know, in the natural. And you would get on a building site, and often what would happen, depending on the job, and you even see it in Yarrawonga, you will get 
you know, when they're going to build on a block, you would get um, a, a bobcat or whatever, and they will just push out all the grass and stuff because you can't build on grass. And it will clear the site because you can't build on rubbish. If you are married, friends, you will not build a successful relationship in your marriage unless you are, have the ability to clear out the rubbish. Rubbish has got to go. You can't build on rubbish. Relationships will accumulate rubbish. Am I, you know, true. Can, I, can somebody here, no, no, let me see, a, a, if you have in, ch- in church life had to deal with some rubbish, put your hand up. Most of you, and some of you, Rocky, did you put your hand up? Well, I reckon you soon will. What about living in the house? Human interaction. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying it's a fact. If you're living with people, it's going to produce some rubbish. But if you don't get rid of it, you're going to have some trouble. On a building site, again, going back to being a builder, if, um, and see, I just built, uh, we built our house a while back. I'm surprised how much rubbish we accumulated. And it would build up and build up. And because I was so busy trying to get the job done, I would let it build up to the point where I was almost tripping over the stuff that I hadn't gotten rid of it. and And it became a hazard. You see, rubbish not dealt with will become a hazard. That's right. I've done that. I've done trailer loads, Izzy. Of rubbish. Do you understand that? If you are in any relationship and you know that rubbish accumulates, if you don't deal with it in your marriage, it will create hazards. When they were building the wall of of uh, rebuilding the wall in the book of Nehemiah, so they're building this wall, and as they built the walls, they left gaps in the walls for gates. Because if you just build a wall with no gates, you're either going to imprison whoever's in there or not going to be able to get in if you're on the other side of it, right? So it's quite smart to put a gate in. That's why you have houses with doors. If someone builds you a house and you've got no doors, you are in trouble. Because doors allow entrance and to get out. So they were building the wall and they left holes in the walls for gates. And once they built the walls, they began to build the gates. And there were a whole bunch of gates that were put in that wall. I I can't remember, I think it's like 12 or something. But there was one gate in particular that I want to talk to you this morning about. As they built the wall, they put in a gate that was called the refuse gate. Or in other versions, the dung gate. So they built the wall to protect the city, but they had to put a gate in order for refuge or dung to be taken out of the city. 
Now, if they had not put that gate in and they had just lived in that community, imagine what would have happened in a city. In fact, cities under siege often will have this, this is how the enemy will win because they block the gates and they are under siege and they trap the people inside the walls, which are meant to protect but actually become their prison, and they stop the gates. And what happens is, People living together produce rubbish, and the rubbish, because it's not been able to get rid of, becomes dangerous, and in fact, dangerous to health. You understand? He does. Or she does. Is it a she or a he? He. Good mate. Preacher, come on. See, they put the refuge gate, or the dung gate, because they knew that the community needed to get rid of their rubbish. I love it that Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He's talking to Peter after Peter has a revelation of Jesus. And he goes, wow, you're the, you're the, you're, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. You know, and he, he was like in the zone with Jesus. And Jesus responds in verse 18 and says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So think about it. He has a revelation of Jesus, and then what, what he finds out is, in fact, Peter, because he knew what he, who Jesus was, becomes part of Jesus building his church. Jesus builds his church. Us living in community, he is building something called church, which is the ecclesia, designed by God. I didn't design church. Terry or, or Dan, Jesus said, when you have a revelation of him, you're meant to join in with building church because he's building it. So he is building a community here. But remember, as we build, we will produce rubbish. We will. I mean, I'm not game enough to say, how many people have I annoyed yeah, because we produce rubbish. We produce rubbish. You know, I've got to talk about a particular type of person this morning. Ever, you know what a hoarder is? Ever met a hoarder? Ever been to the house of a hoarder? Oh, we, we have some guilty parties. Hoarders are people who can't let go of stuff to the point even where they store up rubbish. And people who have got it bad build it up so bad that they can't even move in their house because they've got so much rubbish. Hoarders. But do you know that there are people who hoard hurt? There are people who hoard Rubbish that they should get rid of. There are people around who hoard the hurts of life. And they hoard to the extent where they don't even understand that what they're trying to hold on to is actually rubbish, which is going to destroy them, which is going to wreck relationships, which is in fact not going to let people want to be near them because they've hoarded so much rubbish. Man, have you ever met them? 
You know how you know that, that kind of person? Because it's kind of like permeates them. And you can't say or do anything because the moment you say something, they're going to get offended by it. Oh, I've met them. Ever met them? And you know when you look at them, you're thinking, why are you like that? But you have to stay away from them because it's just trouble. And I've had people in church who have been those kind of people. They don't usually last long because they don't know how to deal with their rubbish and they don't even know that it's rubbish and they let it build up and to the point where it creates disease. Rubbish. Rubbish will stop you from living the dream that God has for your life because on your journey of trying to fulfill whatever your dream is, you will have human interaction with people and they will produce some rubbish. You will get offended or upset, hurt, Whatever. And vice versa, because we are human and we are fallen. But hallelujah, Jesus. He actually has a rubbish collection. Sunday nights, you know, there's, there's a spiritual aspect of getting rid of our rubbish. But It's not him that has to get rid of it. See, the rubbish truck, when it comes to my house, I've got to do my bit. If I don't get the rubbish and put it in the bin and wheel the bin out onto the road, so the truck comes by and gets rid of it, it can even stay in the bin if it stays where it sits at my house and they ain't going to pick it up because I have to do my bit and you and I have to do our bit with rubbish. We have to deal with rubbish. Now, I want to tell you, in your human uh, interaction with people, there will be two types of rubbish. There will be the rubbish that you produce, and there will be the rubbish that others produce. You understand? The rubbish that you produce, because you do, and it's like Terry said, you know, if you think that you are a self-righteous person, Don't produce some rubbish then, friend. You are full of rubbish. Do you understand that? If you are so deceived that you don't think you produce some rubbish, friend, you are the hoarder of the biggest lot. Two types of rubbish. The rubbish you produce and the rubbish others will produce. What are you meant to do with the rubbish you produce? See, a hoarder is someone who doesn't discern what's rubbish and what's not. Right? They don't know how to tell the difference. What you need to be able to do as a Christian is understand, number one, you do produce rubbish. And number two is you have got to have the ability or allow people in your life that can help you deal with your rubbish. If you are a leader in this church uh, like me, our job is to help you deal with your rubbish. I've got to deal with my own rubbish, but I've got to help you deal with your rubbish because you've got some. The hardest people to deal with are the people who don't have this ability to discern they have rubbish. Rubbish. 
Am I making sense to you? You know, it's Ken's fault. Ken said, you've got to have the meat, man. Sorry. You know, beat him up. Get offended by him. I'm teasing Ken. Not really. I love that you blame him instead of me. No, no. You, you, you with me? Rubbish stinks. When not dealt with, it creates chaos and disease. There was a priest in the Old Testament whose name was Joshua. Joshua was the priest of Israel and had the job of <clears throat> connecting Israel with God. But what happened to Joshua one day was um, um, the devil started to accuse him because Joshua, because he was dealing with the rubbish of Israel, began to stink. His clothes, actually the Bible says, were covered with human excretum. You know what human excretum is? Imagine walking around as a priest with your garment with human excretum. Yuck. Anyway, he had to have an encounter with God to get rid of it. And it wasn't even his fault. It was him dealing with people and the stuff kept rubbing off on them because they had it all on them. So anyway, number one, you need to own your rubbish. You need to own your rubbish. It ain't just the other person. Yeah, pat Terry on the back. No, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 says, this is Paul. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Think about it. Paul, the apostle, my conscience is clear. He's kind of saying, look, hey man, I think I'm doing all right. My conscience is clear. But there needs to be a higher realm of judgment because my conscience and me thinking it's clear does not necessarily mean that it is clear. Paul realized his human failings in that. In fact, even if he couldn't feel what he did was wrong, he needed an external force to actually show him. That's what a Christian is. You are someone who has God who gets him to actually test the conscience. That's why we preach the Bible. Are you all right? Too bad. Sorry. I'm going to finish because number one for you, if you dealing with rubbish, two producers, you and the others, everyone else, you've got to deal with your rubbish. You've got to understand you are actually partly fallen and you have faults. And churches are not full of perfect people, but are full of people who are trying to let God live and rule in their lives and live in community. Right? Yes. Take responsibility. Confess your failings. Ask for forgiveness. That's how you deal with your rubbish. How do you deal with everybody else's rubbish? When they are pouring it on you. It's your lucky day. Grace. Our fr- fruits of the Spirit. Grace, mercy, and forgiveness. You know, in church, friends, if we can give each other grace, if we can be merciful to the failings of each other, if we can be a church who doesn't hold on to the rubbish, <clears throat> but forgives.
That'd be a pretty good place to be. And I don't think we're in a bad spot, but I just feel like God wants us to think about this. And John, I'm going to finish with this. John 13, 34 through to 35 says, and this is Jesus. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So must you love one another. I ripped the bit off. By this shall everyone know that you are my disciples if you have rubbish between each other. By this shall all men know that we are his disciples because we have love. Do you understand? This is inspirational, I'm telling you. It is. See, the world doesn't want to hang out with people or come and be part of a community that's full of rubbish. They're trying to leave that. That's why we're trying to lure them into the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to inspire you. If you have a fence, if you have some kind of, you know, issue with someone, forgive them. Display mercy. Display forgiveness. Love. If it's bad enough, Go talk to them. You know, if you are married. You know, I found this out the hard way early on. I didn't realize that rubbish had built up in my relationship with my wife about six or seven years into it. You know, I didn't realize that my marriage was so diseased. Back then. It's pretty good now. Because I'd let rubbish accumulate and so I'd pick up. So I just want to inspire you, friends, God has success for every part of your life. He wants you to be the, have the best life. But you've got to deal with the rubbish that will interfere with God's great plan. Amen? Amen. You know, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to finish. It's not a time for us to be the milk drinkers. The world is chaotic. We need to be the church that eats the meat. So God can trust us and we can be the light to a lost world, the city on a hill with heaps of lights shining. Lord God, um, you know, you you understand human nature. You understand that in whatever relationship we live at with each other, that we are people who produce rubbish. And you're so smart, you've got a way for us to get rid of the rubbish. I pray this morning if there are those that have allowed the stuff to accumulate in their lives. Lord Jesus, that right now, Holy Spirit, you would shine the light on the responsible parts that they need to, to take responsibility for that the avoidance of blaming others would leave and they would own their rubbish. We would own our rubbish. And Lord, that there would be a confession and a seeking of forgiveness from you. And Lord, for those that have been offended and hurt by others around them, that Lord, this church would be known as a church that displays the love that attracts others. And that, Lord, we would live the dream 
of success that you have for each of our lives and for us as a community. In Jesus' name, amen.